Okay, well, good morning again, everybody. Still great to see you all. Um, so today is going to be probably an emotional day for me and my wife and, you know, our family. And more so, um, th I guess there are two reasons. One, this is our last Sunday here, as, as most of you probably know. And, and so that's, there's just a lot with that, right? So you've been our family for, well, for me, the last nine years, and for Crystal, the last three as well, as you've welcomed both of us in. And so there's a lot of emotions there. And then also, just if you could be praying for us, we got not so great news about our dog this weekend, and, and so now we're emotional about that too. So there's both of those, and for those of you who have pets, you know how we get when that happens. So uh, pray for Fee. She has an appointment on Tuesday, and we'll know a bit more at that point. Um, but what I really want to do today, she's here, by the way. <laughs> uh, what I really want to do today is just talk through a couple of memories um, with you all, things that have stood out to me, and some of you, many of you were parts of those memories. Actually, probably everyone in the room was part of at least one of them, because some of them include just being here on Sunday mornings. And so if you're here this morning, you're part of that one. Um, and so I want to talk through some of these memories and kind of highlight a little bit about what I think those show us about Grace Chapel and who Grace Chapel is. And then I want to speak to three different groups. Um, and each of those groups, I have three things that I want to say. I'm very, <laughs> the students know this, I'm very organized, I like charts and all that, but I, I have three things to say to each group. And the first thing is I just want to thank you all. The second thing is I want to affirm everybody. And then the third thing is I have a challenge for each of those groups. And then we'll be done. So it won't feel too much like a sermon. It'll feel probably more like a graduation speech um, without the 850 names at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just want to open us in prayer and then, and then we'll get started. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thanks for this time with Grace Chapel. Thank you for the nine years that you've blessed us with, that we could be a part of Grace Chapel, serve here and be part of this family. I'm just very grateful. And so I pray that you continue to bless this church and I pray that you bless our time today um, and also that you would just um, help us to understand what it is that you would have for us to know pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I've done, and this will probably go against what I just said about being organized, this is my sermon <laughs> on sticky notes. Uh, and just over the last couple of weeks, as things have come to mind, I've just been writing them down, just kind of snapshots. Think of these as snapshots over the last nine years. And some of them are seemingly insignificant, and others are very significant. But to me, they've stood out for one reason or another, and so I just want to share them. These are moments at Grace Chapel in the life of our church that I just want you to remember with me. And again, if you were there during, the, during some of these moments, which many of you were, um, it'll probably bring back some of your own memories. And then if you weren't there, just think with us on, on things like this. And if you've been, uh, these will trigger things in your mind even if you weren't at these specific events. So the first thing that I just want to reflect on is the many youth missions trips that we've been able to that we've been able to have, and obviously you just heard about one of them, a local one. Um, we've had the opportunity to go to Schenectady City Mission. We've had the opportunity to serve at Half Moon Heights um, in our own community. We've been to Belize. We've been to um, Costa Rica. We've been to Chicago multiple times. And just these, these trips, these are times when I get to spend with the students, and I get to connect with them deeply, and I get to see their, their walk. I get to see their struggles. I get to encourage them and pray with them. 
And one of the things that I want to just highlight about this, though, is the heart for service that our students have. And I think that's our whole church. But the thing that I get to witness is, our, is the students just have a heart for service. And to me, that's a key factor. That's, that's a defining factor about Grace Chapel. Um, another one, and these are in no particular order either. Uh, another one is New Friends Lunches. So how many of you guys have ever been part of a New Friends Lunch at Grace Chapel, either as someone hosting or, yeah, a lot of us. And these are just special times in the life of Grace Chapel when we get to welcome new people in. And we get to open our arms to people who are just exploring and they're thinking about being a part of the church. And then we get to welcome them in and say, here's what we're about and we want to get to know you too. And I just remember these being a lot of them at the Casey's house, a lot of them at the Newman's house and various different locations. And we just meet all these new people who are now being plugged into Grace Chapel and becoming a part of the family. And I think why this stands out to me is because I remember when I was new at Grace Chapel and I moved here and I didn't know anybody. I knew no one except for the search committee because I'd met them over Skype. <laughs> and then I moved here and everyone just embraced me and everyone welcomed me in. And so I see that as... These are opportunities where you're all doing that for other people, too, and you're welcoming them in. And that's a defining characteristic of Grace Chapel, that you welcome others into your community. Another one is, I think of the men's retreats, and I wish I could say women's retreats, too, but I was never invited. Um, but on the men's retreats, I just there are a couple things that come to mind. One is the jumbo shrimp. <laughs> Thanks, Bill Casey. And another is just the, the time of bonding with these guys from our church, and we spend a whole weekend and we're doing crazy games and pl playing hockey, and you'd expect injuries to happen playing hockey, but instead the injuries always happen playing wiffle ball or something ridiculous like that. But it's these times when we get to know each other, and we get to build these relationships, and we're studying God's Word together, and we're hearing from people who can challenge and encourage us. And the women have had these experiences too. I just haven't been part of those trips. But one of the ones that stands out to me in particular is um, several years we've had people join us from the city mission. And to me, that's so powerful that Grace Chapel and the City Mission partner together on these trips, and we have men from both places. And then many of the men from the City Mission end up staying here, end up coming to Grace Chapel as their church. And the thing that's significant to me is that there is a sense of mutual learning. And there's a sense that the men from the City Mission may be learning from us. And then there's also the sense that we are very much learning from the men from the City Mission as they are a lot better at being open about things, a lot better about sharing, and just have a little bit fewer boundaries than some of us do when it comes to being open and being trusting. And so I, I see a lot of people here who've had huge connections at the City Mission um, over the years, and I just think it's really a great relationship that Grace Chapel has, one that shows, again, that shows Grace Chapel's heart for our community and for reaching out, but also just one that shows this humility and this recognition that we can learn just as much as we can teach. And so, to me, that's significant. Another one is baptisms. <laughs> I think my first Sunday here at Grace Chapel was a baptism service, and it was at Round Lake, in the actual lake, which I don't think you're supposed to swim in, but we did. And so how many of you have been to a baptism at Grace Chapel, period? If you haven't, August 18th would be an awesome time for you to be here. We're going to have a baptism right here, actually. Um, and so we've done some of these at Round Lake. We've done some right here in the sanctuary. I think we've done a bunch over at the Warden's Pool. Maybe more locations than that, but those are the ones I can remember. And these are just times when we get to see new people committing their lives. They've committed their lives to Jesus, but now they're going public with it, and they're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And we get to hear their stories, and we get to come around them and welcome them into the family. And those are significant. The next one is 
And this is a sad one, but it's a significant one. The next one is walking with Bruce and Diane and Jimmy through the loss of Johnny. And many of you were a part of that. Many of you came alongside them and you embraced them and you walked with them in the grieving process. And that showed me this church that was ready to enter into someone else's pain and that was willing to walk alongside them and be patient. And I also was encouraged, another reason that this is significant to me is I was encouraged by their walk during that struggle, that their faith was strong, that they were still able to lead this church, even in a time when many of us would just question God or, and I'm sure they did, but they were still able to humbly lead this church as we followed God together. The next one is Sunday school and balloon rallies and all of the things that go along with that. So every year we would, we would kick off a Sunday school year. And how many of you have been part of Sunday school in some form at Grace? Quite a few. So each year, if you remember back far enough, we used to do balloon rallies. And I remember the first time I saw this, I was thinking, we're, like, we're filling up hundreds of balloons and we're just going <laughs> to, you guys know you helped fill them up. <laughs> And we're filling these up, and we're just going to let them off into this. Isn't that littering? How can we do this? <laughs> but then we did it, and it was great. And you could do it back then. It was like nine years ago. <laughs> um, but the cool thing is I remember looking around and seeing everybody looking into the sky as these balloons are going off. And, and we're just excited about a new year when we get to come together every Sunday morning and study God's Word and learn. Learn about God and learn about ourselves and learn what God has to say to us. And that's a tradition that's been going for a long time. And the balloon rally is just a piece of it, but the, the, the idea behind it is God's word is, is meaningful here and God's word is honored and we want to study it and we want to know it. Um, another piece, and this is, for me personally, this is a huge one. I'm just so proud of our students for their involvement in the various youth Sundays that we have done. And so each year we have the opportunity to have our students lead the entire service. Um, and, and they'll give the message, and they also do the worship, and I'm just, I'm so proud of them as, for all of us, it's nerve-wracking to stand up here and lead, and yet for these students, they're willing to do it, and not only do they do it, but they do it well, and not only do they do it well, but they do it with the focus on Christ, instead of saying, look at me, and look at my skills, and look at my message that I put together, and I see lots of people here who've actually given messages, or been part of the worship team, or done sound, or projection, and I'm just, I'm so proud of them for all of that, just that their heart is in the right place, they're serving God, they're leading the congregation in worship, and it comes out of a good place. Um, so Youth Sunday. And the last one that I have is <laughs> Youth Lock-ins. <laughs> and the reason that this one stands out is for, I guess, several things, but so youth lock-ins, for those who don't know, every year when we kick off our youth group, we usually have an overnight lock-in, and people stay up all night. And it's supposed to be a lock-in because they're supposed to stay inside, but wait to hear where this story goes. So <laughs> um, it's really fun, and everyone shows up around 7 or 8 p.m., and energy is really high. Both the students and the leaders were really excited at that point, 7 or 8 p.m., <laughs> And as the night goes on, we do a bunch of crazy games, and there's loud music, and then we'll do a teaching time, and we'll talk, and then maybe we'll do some food, and then we'll go back to some more crazy games. And that goes on until, if we start at 7, that goes on until maybe 10, 11 p.m., and I'm still doing great. And then by the time we get to midnight, or 1 a.m., or 2 a.m., and everyone else is still bouncing off the walls, and I'm, me and the youth leaders, we're looking at each other like, we got five more hours, <laughs> what are we going to do? And so 
I have a story that I feel I can now share with you. <laughs> because, because it's my last day, and what are you going to do? <laughs> so, one particular youth lock-in, the youth leaders, we had a five-minute emergency meeting in what was Bruce's office, because we were, I could see it on everyone's face. We were dying, and I can see other youth leaders there, too. And, and <laughs> so this five-minute, I called this five-minute emergency meeting, and we left all the students with a guy named Lung. And Lung is not here today. He was a helper. This was his first event. <laughs> <laughs> so we left all the students with Lung, and then we had this quick meeting where we just, we got to put together a plan to get us through the next five hours, because this is, that's a long time, and we're dying. And so we're in Bruce's office, and we sit around the conference table. One hour later, I woke up and looked around the conference table to find that all of us had been sleeping for the past hour. <laughs> and it's dead silent in the building, which was bad. So we start running throughout the church building looking for 50 students. Where could they be? <laughs> and long. <laughs> and they're nowhere. They're nowhere to be found. And now it's probably 3 o'clock in the morning, and I see some of you guys that were there this day. And we hear these distant, faint voices coming from outside of the building. And so, it, again, it's supposed to be a lock-in, but hey. And so we went outside the building, and we see them doing, they're running laps around the church property, yelling at the top of their lungs, just screaming. So their energy level is still through the roof. So we called them back in, and we were like, Lung, great job. Thanks, man, <laughs> for, for watching the students while we took a five-minute meeting. So um, Lung really earned his keep that day, and yeah, good guy. So what, what I want to... What's significant to me, though, about the lock-ins and the ski retreats and all of the different trips that we got to do, these fun activities, right? They're just, they're a blast, and they're just fun and wacky and wild. And, but the thing about them that's meaningful is the time that we get to spend with the students. And walls are broken down, and we get to hear from them what's going on in their lives. We get to share some of our struggles, what we're dealing with, and then we have meaningful conversations. I think it's the same with some of our missions trips as well. And so then we have these relationships formed where there's trust, there's mutual trust, and we can study God's Word together, and we can grow in our faith together. And it's been a blast. And so nine years of that has been really, really fun and exhausting. <laughs> the lock-ins in particular are what helped me to understand that maybe it's time for me to do something. To... Um, so I also want to now address each of these three groups. And I have, like I said, three things to say to each group. And I'll start with the students and parents and youth leaders. And I'm clumping that all together, all the youth-related people. Um, so students, parents, and youth leaders. I first want to thank you. And I want to thank you for... I want to thank you for growing with me and for trusting me and for allowing me to be a part of this group, be a part of this youth group. Um, youth leaders, thanks for serving alongside me, for being my team and my friends. Uh, students, thanks for letting me be a part of this and, and growing with me. Um, I think sometimes when we're, uh, when I'm 
teaching or when I'm giving a lesson or something, and it's usually at youth group, it's a discussion. And I think sometimes the students just think that I probably have all the answers in my head, but usually I'm working through it with them. And so thank you for letting me work through all these questions that we have now worked through together with you. Um, thanks for pondering with me. That's one of my favorite words. I say it a lot at youth group. Thanks for just pondering these big questions about life and the Bible. Um, Thank you. I want to affirm the students in a couple ways. Um, when I first got here, my, my very first lesson at youth group was from Acts chapter 17. And so I want to take a very quick look at that. My first lesson with the youth group, Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 11 was where we focused. And I'll do this very quickly. And it says this, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. There was more we talked about, but the highlight that I want to focus on today is I talked about I wanted to challenge our group to be like the Bereans in that the Bible says they were of more noble character for two reasons. One, they received the word with eagerness, but then they also studied scripture to see if what they were being taught was true. And I've always challenged our students to do that. And they've done that. And they've challenged me on some things that I really believed firmly and I've changed. And I've challenged them on some things that I think they believed firmly and they changed. And in all of that, we're growing together. We're learning in our faith, growing in our faith. So I wanna affirm our students because you have been people of noble character because you've received not just me, but you've received what God is teaching you through me, but then you've also ch challenged and you've listened and you've had your brain turned on the whole time to see if does this line up with the Bible, because that's our ultimate authority, not Jake or some youth pastor that you have just met or maybe even known for nine years. The Bible is our ultimate authority. So I want to affirm you in that. I also want to affirm the students for welcoming new people into the group because I know that can be really tricky, and I know that a lot of youth groups, we just struggle with this because we make our friends, and then, and then it's hard for us to see the person who is what we were a year ago before we had those friends, the person who's on the fringe. And so I want to affirm our group because you have welcomed other people in, and you've been so open, and you welcomed me in, which is awesome, um, and consistently putting the needs of others first. I want to affirm our students for that. My challenge to our students and I guess to our youth leaders and also the parents as well, so to that collective group, my challenge would be to welcome the new person, whoever they are, the same way you welcomed me, which was just with open arms, giving them a chance to fail a lot, and also just walking with them and being gracious, trusting them, and also challenging what they're teaching and comparing it with scripture. And so I, I, would, I would challenge you to do that. Um, I'd ask you to remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, when he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so as you have a new person coming in, I'd encourage you to imitate this person, to follow their life as they imitate Christ. And so I probably have a lot more things I could say to the students and parents and youth leaders, but I'm going to leave it there. And then I'm going to move on to the whole church, uh, the whole congregation. So I want to thank you all for... 
a bunch of people welcomed me, not only into the church family, which was great, but also into your specific family, into your actual family family. And so you would have me over for functions. Um, if there was a holiday, you'd make sure that I was never alone, that you invited me, because I didn't have family here. I, I would go see my family sometimes, but they're far away. And so you guys welcomed me uh, into your families, and you, you had me in your houses all the time. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, so thank you for doing that. I also want to affirm the congregation for your heart of service. I think of things like Beacon of Light, Operation Christmas Child, City Mission, the events at Meadowview, everything that Sharon Case or the Caseys do, <laughs> uh, the Deacons Fund, and all the different ways that our church is involved in our community. I want to affirm the fact that our church is, has such a heart for our community and is reaching out. I want to challenge our church to continue to welcome others in the same way you welcomed me in. And the reason I think this is a needed challenge is because for me, I was the new youth pastor. It was more visible than just somebody who walks in and this is their first Sunday. For me, I couldn't come in and leave and nobody know. But extend the same welcome that you extended to me to other people who are just walking in. And I think you do that, and I want to challenge you to keep doing that. Make others feel the way I felt when I first got here. Welcome them into your homes, into your families, and make sure that they have a place to belong. Um, I want to talk to the leadership of Grace Chapel. I want to talk to the elders, the deacons, and the staff. Um, and I'll, again, I'll kind of clump that together. The staff, I just want to say thank you guys. <laughs> it's been really fun. Uh, I don't know if Carol is in the room right now because she's been doing a... <laughs> Carol, love you. <laughs> uh, Carol and all of the staff have just been amazing, and it's been so good to work with them, and so thank you. And then to all the elders and all of the deacons and all the staff, I just want to thank all of you, again, for being welcoming, for allowing me to serve here, for allowing me to serve as an elder as well, which is abnormal um, for someone who is a youth pastor and someone my age, and that's a huge honor that you would all, you, you'd allow me to do that. Um, I want to thank you all for doing so much hard work behind the scenes, and some of it's really, really hard. I um, guess I said that twice, but it's really hard. <laughs> and so I just want to thank you for the work that you've all done and continue to do. I want to affirm your desire to follow God's leading. And I want to just affirm that one of the things that I see is that we may go through times when we're struggling and we don't know exactly what's the best step, but there is a desire to follow God's leading. I want to call that out. I want to affirm it and call you to continue following that. Um, follow God's leading. The next is just a willingness to serve and to give your life for other people, and I want to affirm you in that as well. I want to end with a challenge to the leadership and just something I want to call out as well. And this comes from Ephesians chapter 4. So if you, if you have your Bible, if you turn to Ephesians 4, I want to spend a few moments here with you all. So there are two ways that we read this passage, and one is correct and one is wrong. And I've done both. And I think that our church has done both, and I think that churches as, as a whole do both of these some churches, and sometimes the same church can do it right for a while and then do it wrong for a while and then figure it out and correct their course. This is a tough thing, I think, and I can't speak to churches outside of the American context. I've been to a lot of different churches um, in this area and a lot of different churches in Chicago and a lot of different churches, I guess, in New Hampshire where I grew up, and we're all kind of struggling with this thing. Grace Chapel is too. 
And so my challenge is in, re- is in regards to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So I want to start by reading it the wrong way. And I think as we do that, we'll start to see, yeah, I, I think that way sometimes. And then I want to read it the right way, and I want to challenge us to pursue that. And so starting in verse 11, in Ephesians 4, it says this, And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, okay, so these five groups, so Jesus gave these five leaders, so Jesus gave the leaders of the church to do something. And here's how we read it. And if you're following along, yours might be a little bit different than mine. Um, But here's how we misread this. So he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the... And it continues on. So he gave those five groups, the leaders of the church, to do the work of ministry. And that sounds reasonable at face value. I think when we read it that way, we say, well, of course, why wouldn't the leaders do the work of ministry? Why wouldn't the pastors do the work of ministry? We pay them for it. They're the experts. They've been trained in it. They're professionals. So if someone has to do it, why wouldn't it be the leaders? And as logical as that may seem at face value, it's not logical when we look a little bit deeper. And it's also not biblical because here's what it actually says. So if you look back again, Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind or of doctrine, by human cunning, or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And it continues on. Rather, we are built up into fullness in Christ. But the significant part is, does this verse read, God gave the leaders to do the work, or God gave the leaders to equip the church to do the work? Because it uses the word saints, which is just the believers. And I think we've, we've maybe missed the boat on that. And it's not just Grace Chapel. It's a lot of churches. I think sometimes we focus too much on, well, we have these pastors and we have these leaders and they're really good at what they do, granted, and they've been trained in it and we pay them. So why not just let them do it? And here's how it looks practically. So this would be, okay, something, somebody needs to know the love of God. Who's going to do it? Well, the pastors. And so so other people's job is simply to get people in this building so that they can hear from the pastors about God's love for them. And I think in, in Scripture what we find is that's not really the way that it goes. In Scripture, what we find is people are using, each person is using their sphere of influence to share God's love, and they are coming to church, but they're coming to church to be equipped so that they can be effective when they go back into their regular life, the workplace. And so, so practically, I just think of this. So my wife, Crystal, is a tattooer, and she is rubbing shoulders with people every week that I'm very likely, as a pastor, not going to meet, except that I'm married to her. <laughs> But aside from that, these are people I'm never going to bump into, but she has the opportunity to show them God's love in a way that I never would. Now, we could say, well, Jake's a pastor, and so it's his job to do that, and so maybe we just have to find a way for Crystal to invite them to church so that Jake can tell. And you see how ridiculous that is, because she's right there in the room for three hours with them and is able to share God's love in various ways, listening, talking, praying, whatever it looks like. 
that I could never do. And all of your jobs are the same. And so my challenge for Grace Chapel is that the leadership would focus on equipping the saints, would focus on equipping the believers, the church, to do the work of ministry in whatever their contexts are. And here's why I think this is, so we know that this is what Scripture teaches, but why, why does this make sense? Well, if you think of it, if you have a church of two or 300 people, how many full-time staff are you probably going to have? Two or three, maybe four? We could argue about that, but it's not going to be more than four, probably. And so you could say, okay, well, those are the people who should be doing ministry. And I would say those two or three or four people are going to spend most of their time in this building just because of the nature of the job. And you'll spend lots of time outside, but most of our responsibilities are to the people of this building that are already here. And that's good. I'm not saying that's not the way that we should do things, but what we should be doing is while we spend our time in this building with the people who are already here, we're equipping them to go out and to be the ones that are doing the work of ministry, that are sharing God's love. And I think our church is ready for this. I think our church has been doing this. Um, I, I mentioned I was affirming the congregation earlier for their heart of service and all the different ministries that people are involved in. I see this in our students. And so we're trying, and I think that we're trying and we need to keep trying. And we need to focus on not focusing everybody's attention on the pastors or the leaders, but focusing our attention on the congregation and how we can be serving. Because the moment that we start to get this wrong and we, we forget that our job as leaders is to equip the congregation is the moment that it, it changes from a church and it turns into a performance or a show. Because inevitably what happens is we say, look at us, we are the ones who are doing the ministry, and we want you to come and fill the seats, but it turns into a show. And we may say, no, 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 that's not what we want. But the moment that we take the power away from people to do the work of ministry and we're not empowering or equipping them, then it just inevitably turns into a show by definition. Um, so I've probably gone long enough on this, and the reason I bring it up is two things. One, I think Grace Chapel is really strong in ministry and is really strong in their heart for ministry. I wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't. But two, because I think we really need to do some thinking about it. We need to figure out, practically speaking, how can the leadership equip the congregation to do the work of ministry? How can we do that? And so that's my challenge to the leadership of Grace Chapel, to find ways to do that. And again, this is not unique to Grace. This is something we're all struggling with. Wherever I end up, I'm sure we're going to struggle with the same exact thing, and I'm going to go back and forth, and people are going to have to come up to me and correct me. But this is my time to just say to Grace Chapel, as a church that I love and I know, I think it's something we can look at, that we can figure out how do we take the focus and put it on equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So that's my challenge. I want to just close... Um, I guess I want to just close with an update, because I know some people are probably going to be asking, where are you guys at? And then I'll just close in prayer. Um, and lastly, I just want to, again, say thank you for everything over the last nine years. But an update for me and Crystal is that we are staying local, and we've been looking, since we announced back in January, we've been looking for a job locally where I could serve as a pastor. And we started with a group of about six churches, and we whittled that down to about four, and then just this last week, we whittled it down to two. So there are currently two options that we're looking at that are serious options for us um, where potentially I'd be able to serve locally as a pastor. And um, the cool thing about that is it allows us to still partner with Grace Chapel in various ways. For example, 
on August 18th. We're doing a baptism here at Grace Chapel, and a bunch of students are getting baptized. And so I have the privilege, they've invited me back to be a part of the baptism service. So I'm excited about that. Um, we're also going to be local in the sense that we'll be able to still connect with people. A lot of the friendships are still going to be there. That's one of the things that makes this easier. If I was leaving and going far, far away where I never saw these students again, that would be really rough. This is, this is rough enough. <laughs> um, but being able to stay local and be connected to these students is, is an encouragement to me. Um, so yeah, we're down, to, we're down to two options. Probably in the month of August, we'll have a much clearer idea of where we're going to end up. And if neither of those is the right one, then we'll just keep praying and we'll keep looking and try to figure out where God would have us. So pray for us in that, if you would. I would appreciate that. Um, I'm trying to remember what else I said I would do. I said I'd thank you all, so thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really, thank you all so much. Um, I wish I could talk to each of you personally, and maybe we'll get the opportunity to do some of that after the service today, but you have all been incredible, and I'm grateful for you, and I just want to pray for you. So would you do that with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have just had to look back a little bit. Thank you for the ways that you've blessed me through Grace Chapel and for the incredible church that this is. I pray that you would help us to continue going in the right direction. And in this specific thing, just that I feel compelled to share, just that you would help us to find meaningful ways for Grace Chapel to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The desire is there, and I pray that that would continue to grow, and I pray that the leadership would be able to be excited and unified in that. And so thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.